You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Lord, we are thankful for this messenger. We are thankful for the message that you have placed on his heart. And Lord, we, we ask that as he speaks about you, as he points us to you, Father, that uh, we will have fresh revelation this morning, that we will hear with um, receiving hearts. We will listen with, with hearts willing to obey what you say, God. I pray that his words are your words. I pray he, he delivers this word in power and authority straight from your heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jody. Appreciate that, man. Well, good morning, church. Good to be here and to see all of you this morning. And um, man, what a powerful time in worship that was. I mean, it's just really powerful. It's just like, it's just, man, I, I feel like I need some tissue right now. Uh, I feel like I want to cry. I'm a cry baby. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I tell you what, that, that was just so powerful. It just, if you know, if you've ever been in a place, and I'm pretty sure you have, and where you just surrender yourself to the Lord and you just, you know, maybe you're just still treading in that place and you just, you know, you just quite haven't, you know, witnessed a breakthrough or something, but you're still faithful and you're still a treading and you're still, a, you know, pushing and thriving and moving forward. But I just want to encourage you that God is still in control of it all, that God is still right there in your treading, that God is not only in your treading, but he is ahead of your treading as well. And so he is there. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful, church. And I just want to encourage us with that. Um, he is faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to uh, go into the second part of the series of what do you say about Christ? And I wanted to uh, explore more so from the standpoint of Jesus um, his ascension, um, uh, where he is seated now in heaven, um, that Jesus um, is, is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of all. And that he is sovereign, church. He is sovereign. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But if you can just begin to just, if you have your devices or your Bibles, you can start going to Acts uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 2. 22. And I want to just give a little backdrop to what we're going to uh, dive into. So we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 14, this is just um, an introduction uh, of what was actually taking place here at the day of Pentecost. It says, by the time of Jesus' life, uh, the Roman Empire ruled uh, over the Jewish people. And while many of the Jews lived in Jerusalem, uh, there had already been a wide number who lived outside the area known as Diaspora. Thanks in part by the defeats and subjugation for other empires, um, the Assyrians, for example, the Babylonians, the Persians, were some of those that uh, really dominated, you know, the Jewish people over the course of history, over the last, over the last few centuries in Scripture. It says, this meant that while much of the Jewish culture did remain intact, there was still a knowledge and experience of the wider cultures, uh, especially the Greco-Roman culture dominating during this time and during the Passover festival, 
many will make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Uh, this mix of Jewish people is the main audience of Peter's first sermon in the beginning of Acts. And I wanted to share this with you also. I, I remember being in college, and I was probably about like 20, 21 at the time, and the first time I ever read scripture, it was, it was the first time I ever read scripture then, and I had one of those little red New Testament Bibles. Have you ever seen any of those before? Yeah, pocket size, right? It was given to me by my first grade teacher. And um, I just held on that thing over the years, and, and then just one day, just wanted to just read it. Didn't have any particular, didn't even know the books of the Bible, didn't even have an idea where I was going. I just flipped over in the pages, and I landed right here in Acts chapter 2. And not even being saved at the time, I just remember just like, what in the world is this? What is this? <laughs> and I remember just being stretched out across my bed in my room by myself at that time. And just said, that, that just, there's no way that could have possibly happened. You know, I, I was someone that sub subscribed to, oh man, many foreign guys, right? <laughs> you know, if you had known me then, you probably would have seen me um, enter into a nation of Islam temple. Or... sitting in on some of the meetings, I'll say it that way, or possibly a palm reading. And when people are in search for something, the authentic, they'll grasp at whatever they can grasp at so it can make sense. We function in this realm right here, sense realm, where we want something to make sense and when something makes sense, we want something tangible, you know, that we can touch. And so when we can have our hands on it, it tends to make more sense to us because it's real. But when you are dealing with the supernatural and the mighty move of God, and when God begins to arrest you in the point where even being saved, when I mentioned earlier, you're treading in those places, like no matter what, you know, you're still... You're still treading because you know who you're treading towards. Amen? So I want to pick up in this verse 22, and it says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and signs and wonders, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men who put him to death. But God, but God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, right? But God so raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held, uh, be held in his power. For David says of him, I say the Lord, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I would not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue is altered. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope. 
My flesh will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is, is with us today. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his own descendants uh, on his throne, he looked ahead. He looked ahead, right? He looked ahead. David looked ahead. And who did he look to? He looked towards the Messiah, Jesus. Wonderful language here that he looked ahead. So therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear, for it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37 says, now when they heard this, they were pierced, meaning they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? That's the question right there. What shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, each of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself, and with many others' words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. <laughs> This is Peter preaching. So then those who have received this word were baptized, and that day were added about 3,000 souls. They were breaking, uh, I'm sorry, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Praise God. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had uh, property and possessions were sharing them with all, and as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, so, and basically one mind and heart, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together, they were eating their meals together, basically, and gladness and sincerity of heart, I meaning they were genuine in their sharing and their gathering together, um, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number, again, day by day, those who were being saved. So we see this portion of scripture about the Lord said to my Lord, which is uh, quite used often in the New Testament uh, scriptures. But what I want us to get a hold of is this. What was David talking about when he says, the Lord said to my Lord? You see, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand until I humble your enemies making them a footstool under your feet. You see, the ascension is God's manifest act of exalting Jesus to the highest position in the universe. All 
there's, there's no comprehension of the universe in itself, but Jesus is higher than anything that we can possibly come to imagine, declaring him Lord over everything that exists and all and all people that happens. Everything exists and all that happens. It says, in the extension, Jesus defeated death forever and made eternal life possible for all of us. Having finished his work, the ascension demonstrates the nature of his authority, thus calling every human to bow and worship and obedience to the sovereign ascended one. The father placed Jesus right at his right hand as David had prophesied. The Lord said to my Lord, right? And so as David prophesied, this thing of um, what he had done, he says that, I'll make your enemies a footstool. Everything under heaven, we have to know, folks, rests quite comfortable on, at the feet of Jesus. It rests very well. I understand this, that there's no other authority. There's no other God. There's no other God, no other authority that has power, that has power, has zero power, the only power that exists is in Jesus only. The world is resting under the feet of Jesus. The world rests under the feet of Jesus. Psalms 24 tells us, folks, that the earth is the Lord's, right? It says the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all the people who belong to him for he laid the earth's foundations and the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain? Thank you. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols. They do not worship idols and never tell lies. I'm careful about this because in Texas, you know, they have this saying about if you're telling a story, then it means you're telling a lie, right? <laughs> so I like to tell stories, and I tell stories often to my kids. And so I say, I'm telling I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not telling you a lie. <laughs> so the thing about the power of conviction is this, is that it has something about, has something about the power of conviction that is so it's sobering that it brings you to a place where you begin to confess something out of your mouth, whether you want to release it or not. It's going to just flow out of your mouth. And I remember once I had a young man some time ago, some years, years ago, in a home group that we led out of our home. And, and this young man's a, he's a good guy. I love this guy, man. And, and he just gave him a prophetic word while in the middle of the home group. And he, he just put his hand in his lap and he began to sob, man, like a baby. And I'm thinking, all right, should I cry with you, bro, or what? You know, I'm, I'm a baby as well. And he began to confess this about his hatred, man, towards people, man. People of various ethnicities, man. And in particular, you know, let me just say this. As he began to confess it and he expressed, he said, man, I even had a a hatred towards you, man. Let me tell you, he's in my home group. And when he said it, he broke down. And man, I want to tell you about the love of God is that you just love that guy right there, man. 
One, I didn't know it, but another thing, something broke. And when things break off of people, often what happens, we tend to pick that thing back up and put it, attach it on them, let alone they'll put it on themselves. And so when God is doing a work in you and something is being broken, it's like the Lord is, has detached you from it and taken it and you are turning on about face and actually you don't even have to look back at it ever again. And so when we see this thing about when the people of God remind the people of God, as I mentioned, about offenses and about those things, and they continue to go back to that thing and bring it back as if it's still relevant in the future. I'm telling you right now, that isn't a godly action at all. That's the work of the enemy. And I want to tell you this, even in the church, man, we can operate in the work of the enemy as well. The enemy will use those in the church as well to operate in such behavior. They receive the Lord's blessing and have right standing with God their Savior. And have you heard of, I want to just tell you this, have you ever heard of John Newton? John Newton was someone that was a slave trader, right? And while, and while he was actually transporting slaves, and I'm just going to give you a, just a brief background to this. He's transporting slaves. And boy, the ocean floors, man, begin to just stir up, boy. I can only imagine. Because while he's on that ship, boy, he was begging for his life. And he ended up surrendering his life to the Lord. You see, when we hear the song, Amazing Grace, John Newton. Everything belongs to the Lord, the people, the world, and boy, even the oceans, man, can bring a man to his knees and cry out for the Lord. John Newton became an abolitionist, meaning he was instrumental in setting, frees, setting slaves free, seeing men, women walk into who they really are, man. That's the power of God, folks. The power of God, amazing grace, amazing grace. The Lord said to my Lord, sit and honor my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. You know, this portion of scripture, I, I just find it to be so refreshing. And why do I say it's refreshing? Because David is so privileged to hear God the Father having this conversation affirming who Jesus is and his ears is privileged his ear is privileged to hear it and not only that be able to pin this and boy and are we so blessed by it as well the Lord said to my Lord sit in my right hand sit in my right hand Pentecost folks is it's not a confusion or uncertainty or even as I told you when I was a young guy in college and I read, you know, the story of Pentecost, you gotta understand this, that God was actually just 
pour down his spirit upon men who actually, as Jody had said it before, had persecuted who were those who spat on Jesus, those who wanted to see him condemned were some of the same men in that audience and that crowd that surrendered their lives to the Lord. They surrendered their lives to the Lord. It's a beautiful picture of the Godhead. It's a beautiful picture of the Trinity, how the Trinity operates. The Lord said to my Lord, my Lord, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of men, in the lives of people, in the lives today. Do you believe that? What do you say about Jesus, folks? Do you believe that Jesus is alive today? Do you believe that this Jesus who even allowed those who persecuted him to be arrested and have their souls captured to be a part of his number. No longer the number of his enemies, but the number of the kingdom of God. You see, we live in a time right now in a society, in this nation, where it tells you you fight fire with fire, right? Someone brings something against you, brings a charge against you, then guess what? You bring even more of a charge against that person. When the kingdom operates totally different. In the kingdom, see, there's a peace, man, that begins to surpass all understanding when even if you've been wrong, but yet you still are set free because you will not let that thing harbor in your spirit. It won't even take residence in your spirit. Matter of fact, you'll find yourself just being able to surrender it and just seeing that thing just dealt with right at the foot of the cross. The Lord said to my Lord. You see, the response of the hearers, what must I do, is a revelation of a cut to the heart that creates an entry for the Holy Spirit to allow the Spirit of God to confess Jesus as Lord. It's an entry. It's an entry, though. It's an entryway, a cut to the heart. What must I do? It was a piercing cut to the heart. What must I do? In other words, what must I do to give my life to the Lord? This is a good way of describing conviction, right? It's a good way of describing conviction. It's a good way of describing how the Holy Spirit operates within. Now, if anybody knew about cutting church, it would have been Peter. Peter knew about cutting. Peter knew about cutting uh, to the point where he hacked someone's ear off, right? When Jesus was being arrested, Peter cutting off the right ear of one of the men who came to arrest Jesus, right? But you see, those first group of hearers, they knew they were responsible for the death of Jesus and they had to do something in response. What must I do? What must I do? See, the authors in Hebrew says this. For the word of God is full of living power. And I love this translation out of the NLT. The word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife or two-edged sword, depending on your translation, right? Cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Nothing all in all creation can hide from him. 
Nothing in all creation can hide from him. You think about that, nothing in all creation. Think about when, even when uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden, when they committed sin, what did they do? They tried to hide, right? They hid themselves, they covered themselves. Nothing in all creation can hide you. You are exposed before God in your dwellings, in your homes, in your, you know, in your journeys, in the roads you take. The Lord sees you right where you are and willing to meet you right where you are. It is sharper than any sharpest knife or two-edged sword, cutting deep into the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes for what we really are. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. See, the word of God, folks, it's not designed to shame you or guilt you. It's not designed for that. It's designed to set us free from sin and the bondage of sin and death. So when we see this thing about being cut to the heart and the gospel, you know, the word of God, the sword of the spirit penetrating in, into your innermost, uh, that isn't to make mockery of you. It is to set you free, to set your course of life on the journey the road has, the Lord has for you. Everything, I want to just reiterate this again. Everything is neck and exposed before his eyes, before his eyes. This is God to whom we must explain that all we have done. See, the cutting deep is not a wound. The cutting deep, let me re say this again, is not a wound. It's not a wound. It's not a, it's not a wound that God is... Uh, uh, trying to injure you. It's not a wound. Do you understand that? It is cutting off of deadness, dead things, bringing and restoring new life. See, 1 Peter 2 says this, verse 24, and he himself brought our sins in his, uh, he himself uh, brought our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Get this, by his wounds you are healed. You see, Jesus endured the wounds. We are privileged to allow the one who endured the, wound, endured the wounds to have access, if we are wounded, to have access to our wounds. And then our wounds do not become deadly towards us. They, come, they become an incision of what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in us. You see, when God is setting you free and he is stepping to your wounds, you are basically giving him access and privilege and, and to, to come into your world. And so when you are allowing the king to step into that wound, now, each, each of us may have a wound. I know I have wounds. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to tell you I have some wounds. But when we are willing to allow the one to step into the wounds, it says you are healed. You will be restored. Yes. Some wounds cause infections, right? Some wounds are even deadly. But the cutting deep is a transforming power and God working in you. There's a word in the Greek, sozo. 
which means save, heal, delivered. Save, heal, delivered. That is what's taking place when, that, when, the, when the king has access into those wounds. You are save, healed, delivered, sozo. You have been sozo, transforming power from the inside out. But I want to share a story with you guys. It's not a lie. <laughs> it's not a lie, I promise it's not. When I was a young guy in Texas, right, I was definitely in my youth, and I remember I, there was a young lady, and I want young people especially to hear this, because I want to encourage you to really hold on to your, uh, to hold on to your, you know, to what God is doing in your life. And I'm telling you, when times of testing come, boy, you don't know what you possess when you have been, you know, in the, in the midst of prayer and the counsel of others uh, who are, you know, you, you know, committed yourself to allow yourself to be disciple and so forth and growing in the faith. Let me tell you, there was a young lady that I encountered back in Texas. And uh, boy, I taunted her to the point where I began to make a mockery of her worship. And to be honest with you, I insulted this young lady. And as I said about fighting fire with fire, most people tend to come back, right, with fire, right? Okay. I played a little college baseball a little bit. Not a whole lot, but a little. And there was a terminology we used to use. If a guy's throwing pretty hard, we say he's throwing heat. Right? Have you ever heard that? Some of you play softball. Someone throwing hard, you're throwing heat, right? Well, I remember playing against a guy. Boy, he was dealing some heat. And when the guy, you go back to the dugout and the guys will tell you, they ask, hey, man, what does he got? Man, didn't, did you see it? <laughs> I couldn't see it. <laughs> this guy's dealing heat. <laughs> I remember facing a guy throwing 99 miles per hour. My God, man, there's no margin or room for error, man. No room. That's heat. That's heat of a different nature right there. That's, that's the sports world heat. But this young lady was dealing in the spirit realm heat. You see, for this young lady, she didn't retaliate against me. And that young lady just said this. You know, Kenneth, I'm in the softest of voice. You know what? I'm actually going to pray for you. Like, what? You're going to pray for me. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, I'm just going to pray that the Lord will make himself real to you. And boy, let me tell you something. That jogged me that whole night. I'm talking about to the point where I just began to just say, oh, Lord, you know what? This girl said this, and you know what? And if you really are who you say you are, and, um, you know, if you, you really are real and you really exist, then you know what? You just have to show me. I, I got to see it, you know? And boy, I remember the day like it was today, February the 9th, 1981. How do I know that? Because February the 8th, I taunted this girl. February the 9th, man, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I had a visitation, boy. And the Spirit of God, I used to like to sleep with my window open back in the day, right? Get that fresh breeze and that snow hit me right in the face. And that room would be cold as an ice bucket, right? Man, that room was so hot. I tell you what, the Spirit of God fell in that room and I pulled me out of my sleep. And I began to confess Jesus as my Lord right then and there. No altar call. No altar call. 
Wasn't that church in a room, man? In a room. Man, I, I want to tell you, I mean, that was so profound. You know, see, in my household, we have this thing about oxymorons, right? You know, it's like we say this. You know, this is an oxymoron example I give you. That's probably the stupidest thing I could have said to this young lady, but the smartest thing I could have said at the same time, you know, with to taunt her. Because when she dealt me some heat, boy, I'm going to tell you something. If any of you who like watching that Marvel action at, at WandaVision, boy, that girl deals heat, man, in Marvel. And she'll throw you a fastball every now and then. And let me tell you something, that's, but that spirit realm heat is different. And when you meet people who encounter the one, you don't know who you're going to encounter or you don't know that what is in you that will set someone free from that. Now, that you will burn something in somebody you don't know. And I'm telling you that the power of God is real, man. And I'm telling you, as I remember going to this young lady, <laughs> I have to laugh because when I saw her the next day, I looked like I was drunk out of my mind like these guys here when you read this. I was like, you pray for me. You pray for me. You pray for me. Oh, my God. You pray for me. Then you pray for me. She's like, what? 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 What happened? What happened? What happened? I'm like, oh, in the morning, at three o'clock in the morning, uh, uh, this will happen. And I was out of my mind. That lady dealt me some, that young lady dealt me some heat, man. She dealt me some real heat. Her friends looked like, what has happened to him? You thought I lost my mind. That is the power of God. And I want to tell you, young people, hold fast to your, hold fast to your faith, man. Boy, I tell you, you don't know what God is doing because of what you're doing on the behalf of someone else. You see, the power of witnessing is, is, is accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's all in unison, it's one. But see, the word power takes on this word dunamis in the Greek, which means dynamite, dynamic, it's like dynamo, it's just explosive, right? And see, the word witness provides remarkable insight about Christ. A witness of Jesus gives testimony based on what the witness knows and what he or she has seen and, and, and hear. You know, what you have heard, your testimony. Not a rumor, not something that someone else saw, but what you saw and what you have experienced in her. See, witnessing the gospel always is about Christ and his supernatural ability and that boldness and the confidence that Christ gives to you in you, through you, by you, in Jesus' name. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And so he gives you this boldness, and he gives you this boldness to preach the gospel to someone in the simplicity and in the power of the Spirit. It's not about uh, coming with eloquence of speech or wise and persuasive words, being lofty in what you have to say or, you know, I, I love I love education, and, but um, it's not about those things. It's about the demonstration of the Spirit's power. It's about the demonstration. 
And in the demonstration of that power, what is taking place are things in the kingdom that you have no idea that are taking place because it is divine. It is heavenly. I just want to shift this a little bit. And I want to just take us in this direction. God is sovereign, man. Meaning he is all-knowing. Many ask the question about God. Why would a loving God allow bad things to happen, right? Do you believe Jesus lived and clothed himself in humanity? What do you say about Christ? Make way for the king of glory, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. He is the king, he is the king of glory. What do you mean by this expression that he's sovereign? It means this, that his, the, we mean that he is supreme. He is, he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Godhead of God. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that God is good. To say that God is sovereign to declare, is to declare that he is the most high, doing according to his will in the army of heaven. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is almighty, the professor of all power in heaven and earth, so that no one can defeat his counsels throughout his purposes or resist his will. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is governor among the nations, setting up kingdoms, overthrowing empires, determine the course of dynasties that pleases him best. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the only king of kings and the Lord of lords. To declare that he is the original, that he is, I'm sorry, that to declare that the creator's original plan has been frustrated by sin, to think that he's been frustrated by sin is actually to lower God to a mere mortal man if we think that he's frustrated by sin and we're reducing him to a mere mortal man. To, says, to suggest that God is taken by surprise that even what, take, what took place in the Garden of Eden and that he is now tempted to remedy an unforeseen calamity or complete or caught off guard by his own arrest in the garden. He wasn't caught off guard by any stretch that of his own arrest. It's to degrade the most high when we do that. That's degrading to him, right? Because we lower him to, a, to something on our own level that we can touch, taste, feel, we lower him to our senses. The most high, we, we lower him to a mere mortal man, such as the God of the Bible. Serenity means that ultimate ruler. He's the final authority. When one attempts to live independent from God, it is to declare that God is not in control of everything, all things, at all times. And you see, and the scriptures are quite clear. And it tells us that Satan is furious because he realizes his time is short, right? But when we know by faith that who we have surrendered to, the ascendant and sovereign king, and knowing that we are privileged to be a part of what his purposes and plans are for our lives, and that we are as connected, the vine as branches, we are the branches, he is the vine. 
And then the wonderful thing about that being his branches, that we are continue working him. That we are, we, we, we bear fruit, we have much fruit, and that we can be even become more fruitful to a risen king who is seated on the throne. Jesus said this in John 15. He says, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. Apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. I just want to encourage this church, if that's any of you today, you feel like you have some things you want the Lord to deal with you about. Sorry about that, folks. I'm just going to ask you if you just be willing to surrender right where you are. If you want the Lord to step into something in you. And I know we live in such a time right now. I know we live in such a time right now where there's so much to the eye to see and so much that can even begin to, in a sense, I don't want to say it bears witness because it doesn't really, I mean, it could begin to be a witness to you what you see. It could bear witness to you. But that isn't the God of the heaven's army. And that isn't the God who is wanting to set your course in a new direction. This day, this hour, if you never say yes to Jesus, I just want to invite you and ask if you'd be willing to just simply raise your hand right where you are. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, praise God. But I want to put another prayer of faith out there. And I do believe this, that this is a season for the church to really be as mobile as, as it ever been before, especially in this nation. And I really believe that right now the Lord is saying that I want you to be effective in your Jerusalem right now. I want you to be impactful in your Jerusalem. But just like I want you to be impactful in your Jerusalem, I want you to be impactful in your Judea, in your surrounding. I want you to be impactful in your Samaria, in your Samaria, hostile territory, hostile territory, and the ends of the earth, which will also tell us, you know what, maybe that's just not me. I don't care to travel. Eh, we didn't say travel. We're talking about the gospel advancing. It's a difference. If you're going to have impact in your Jerusalem, we should definitely have impact in the outer, to the hostile, to the nations. If we're going to have impact in the nations, we definitely want to have impact in the Samarias, in the Judeas, and in our Jerusalem. Neither one should have more weight than the other. All should be in unison. We should, have, we should desire impact in all. And a lot of times we get channeled in on where we are right now. But what is God saying to you? And the wounds I believe that the Lord is wanting to set free today, I, I, and I want to say this because we often look at the outside, you know, um, but what about in here and those who are streaming in? And, and even those that, you know, 
that are connecting with us as well about dealing in, in areas of hatred. Hatred, uh, discrimination, prejudice. If there's something that we can, if that resonates with you and, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, you could just go before the Lord on that right now. Because I believe the Lord is wanting to deal with us so we can be an impactful people that we may be free to journey where the Lord desires to take you. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Father, I thank you in your mighty name. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I can just have you guys stand for a moment. So a young lady speaks to Ken, and he was cut to the heart. Ken's leading a home group, and there's a, a young man in his home group who's dealing with racism in his heart, and he's cut to the heart. The Apostle Peter begins to preach on the day of Pentecost, and they're cut to the heart. And they respond to Jesus in, in a real way. And I know that we've had Easter and salvation comes any day. <laughs> and so there is a response that Ken's put out, asked out there. But here's the thing about wounds. Jesus was on a cross and they pierced his side. And it's just by those wounds that we're actually healed. That, that, that the, I love what he said that you know, Jesus, when, when he pierces our hearts, he doesn't wound us. He's wanting to get in there, get into the depths. And if, you've, if you're carrying wounds, I really believe that the Lord wants to bring healing. If you're carrying spiritual wounds, I really believe that the Lord wants to bring healing to you. It could have happened in the church. It could have happened outside of the church. It could have happened in your past. And I really believe that the Lord wants to set so many free. And we want to make time for that. We know that we're, we're, we're about time for our normal gathering. Um, but I'm going to ask some of our leaders to be up here up front. And if you feel like you need prayer and you feel like, man, you know what? I've been carrying wounds that I want to be free from. And it doesn't matter from what time period of your life. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not a, a good Christian or, or that Jesus hasn't done his work. It means that you've identified that there's wounds in your life that you want Jesus to heal. I believe there's an availability for that this, this morning. And also, if you have never said yes to Jesus, I would love for you to come up and we would love to uh, pray with you as well because we believe that it's the, most dis uh, it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life because until then, the question still is, what do you say about Jesus? And so Ken, Ken, Ken um, gave us this, this piece of God is sovereign. And when God chooses your life, there's no way of escaping. <laughs> there's just no way of escaping. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter who we've been. Because he's sovereign, he is going to captivate your, your life, whether you're hostile towards him or whether you have doubts. And many of us have experienced every one of those things. And so I want you to know that uh, if, if today's your day, then let it be your day. Stop running from the Lord. 
Listen, we love you guys. We, we, um, we pray that um, you have an amazing week. Ladies, Tuesday night, you guys are meeting here at 730. For any of you who need prayer, please, please come forward. And we would love to pray with you this morning. Other than that, we love you. Um, be free. Have, have an amazing week. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you guys.